After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz in Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullahu Ta'ala bin Nasrihil Aziz stated, I will continue narrating the accounts from the life of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. With regards to the background to the martyrdom of Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states, The matters had not yet completely settled when a party of the Khwarij, i.e. the rebels, suggested to put an end to this disorder by killing all the prominent figures. Hence, some of their bold and brave men set out with the firm intention that one of them will kill Hazrat Ali, while the other two would kill Hazrat Muawiyah and Amr bin As, all in the same day and at the same time. The individual who set off towards Hazrat Muawiyah managed to attack him, but since he did not land a clean strike with his sword, Hazrat Muawiyah sustained only a minor injury. This individual was caught and was subsequently killed. Similarly, the individual who set off to kill Amr bin As also failed in his attempt. And this is because Hazrat Amr bin As could not go to the mosque to lead the prayer owing to an illness. Instead, the person who came to lead the prayer on behalf of Hazrat Amr bin As was killed. And the perpetrator of this act was also caught and subsequently executed. The individual who set off to kill Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu attacked him when he was about to stand up to lead the morning prayer. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu was severely wounded and at the time of the attack, this individual uttered the following words that, O Ali, it is not your right that each and every word of yours be obeyed. This is the sole right of Allah. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had foretold the martyrdom of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Ubaidullah has narrated that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to Hazrat Ali, that, O Ali, are you aware of the most unfortunate individual from among those who came before us 
and also from among those who will come later. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu submitted that Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam know best. Upon this, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him stated that the most wretched person from among those before us was the individual who hamstrung the she-camel of Hazrat Saleh and O Ali, the most unfortunate person from among the later ones will be the one who will attack you with a spear. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him then indicated where he would be struck. The narration of Umayyad Jafar, the maidservant of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu is as follows. She states that I was pouring water over the hands of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu when he lifted his head and held his bed and pulled it up to his nose and addressing the bed he said, How fortunate are you, for you will most certainly be coloured with blood. And on Friday he was martyred. In one place, the incident of the martyrdom of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala has been recorded in the following manner. Ibn Hanafiya relates that Hazrat Hassan and Hazrat Hussain radiallahu anhuma and I were sitting in a hammam when Ibn Muljam came to us. When he entered, Hazrat Hassan and Hazrat Hussain expressed their displeasure towards him and said, How dare you approach us here in this manner? Upon this, I advised them to ignore him and not engage with him and said that by God, he is even more dangerous than what he intends to do to you. Following his attack on Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Ibn Muljam was brought forth as a prisoner. Upon seeing him, Ibn Hanafiya stated that I recognized his intentions very well the day he entered our hammam. Upon this, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated, that he is a prisoner and as such he should be well looked after and treated with respect. And if I remain alive, I will either execute him or forgive him. However, if I die, kill him as retribution for his crime. But do not transgress. Surely Allah loves not the transgressors. Qusam, the freed slave of Hazrat ibn Abbas anhu, narrates that in his will Hazrat Ali anhu, had instructed my eldest son that ibn Muljam should not be struck in the stomach or the private area with a spear. It is said that three people from among the Khwarij had been selected Abdul Rahman bin Muljam Muradi who was from the Himyar tribe and was part of the Murad tribe who were confederates of the Banu Jabala from the Kinda family. Along with Burk bin Abdullah Tamimi and Amr bin Bukair Tamimi. The three of them met in Mecca and made a solemn oath that they would certainly kill Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib, Hazrat Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan and Hazrat Amr bin As. As has already been mentioned earlier in the quote of Hazrat Muslim that there were three assailants and these were their names. And their intention was to save the people from them. Abdul Rahman bin Muljam said that he would undertake the task of killing Ali bin Abi Talib. Buruk said that he would undertake the task of killing Muawiyah, while Amr bin Bukair said that he would grant them freedom from Amr bin As. In other words, he would kill him. Thereafter, they made a solemn oath 
and assured one another that they would not back down from killing the person they had each mentioned and they would not return until they had killed them or they would give their own lives in this endeavor. In other words, they would go and either kill those three people or they would give their lives for this and will not return. And so they decided amongst themselves to set the 17th night of Ramadan to carry out this task. Thereafter, each of the three set out towards the city in which their targeted person lived, in other words, the person who they intended to kill. Abdul Rahman bin Muljam went to Kufa and met with his Kharji friends, whom he would go and see or they would come to see him. However, he kept his mission secret from them. One day, he saw a group of people from the Tamur Ribab tribe, among whom was a woman named Qitam binte Shijna bin Adi. During the Battle of Nahrawan, Hazrat Ali radiallahu had killed her father and brother. Ibn Muljam became fond of that woman and sent her a proposal for marriage. To this she replied that she would not marry him unless he made a promise to her. Ibn Muljam said that he would do whatever she asked. And so she said that she wanted 3,000 dirhams and for Ali bin Abi Talib to be killed. She demanded for 3,000 dirhams and for Ali bin Abi Talib to be killed. Upon this, Ibn Muljam said, that By God, I have come to this city for this very purpose of killing Ali, and so I will certainly grant you that which you have asked for. After this, Ibn Muljam then met Shabib bin Bajra Ashrei and informed him of his plot and asked him to join him, to which Shabib agreed. And so on the night before the intended day of his mission to kill Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Abdul Rahman bin Muljam spent the night hidden in the mosque of Ashras bin Qais Qindi. As the time of dawn drew near, Ashras told him to wake up as it was now morning. Abdul Rahman bin Muljam and Shabib bin Bajra stood up and stood by the gate from where Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to pass through. Hazrat Hassan bin Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates that he went and sat by Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu early in the morning. At that time, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated that he had spent the night waking his family members for prayer and himself was overcome by sleep and he saw the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him in a dream. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu said to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him in the dream, that, O Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I have been made to face trouble and great feuds from the people of your Ummah. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that pray to Allah the Almighty against them. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala prayed that, O Allah, give me in exchange for them that which is better than them and give them in exchange that which is worse than me. In the meantime, the Muazzin, i.e. the caller to prayer, Ibn Nabba arrived and stated that it was time for prayer. Hazrat Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that he took hold of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's hand and then he stood up and began walking. Ibn Nabba was in front of him and Hazrat Hassan was behind him. As soon as he emerged from the door, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu called out saying, 
that, O people, it is time for prayer, it is time for prayer. Every morning he would call out in this manner by saying, Salat, Salat. Whenever Hazrat Ali would leave for the mosque, he would have a whip in his hand which he used to hit on the people's doors in order to wake them up. At that very moment, the two assailants came before him. And according to eyewitness accounts, some say that they saw the glistening of a sword and heard someone say that, O Ali, only Allah has the power to command, not you. Then another sword was also seen, and then both launched a joint attack. Abdul Rahman bin Muljim's sword struck Hazrat Ali anhu's forehead to the back of his head and penetrated to his brain, while Shabib's sword struck the wooden door. Hazrat Ali anhu was heard saying that these men should not get away, and though people converged upon them from all sides, Shabib was able to escape, while Abdul Rahman bin Muljim was captured and was brought to Hazrat Ali anhu. Hazrat Ali anhu stated that he should be fed well and be given a comfortable place to sleep. He stated that if I remain alive, then I will decide as to whether I will forgive him or seek retribution. However, if I die, then he too should be killed and be sent along with me, and I will settle the matter with him in the presence of the Lord of all the worlds, meaning he would present the matter before Allah the Almighty. When the time of Hazrat Ali anhu's demise drew near, he made a will which read, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, the Ever Merciful. This is the will of Ali bin Abi Talib. And as part of Ali's will, he bears testimony that there is none worthy of worship except Allah. He is one and has no partner. And that Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is his servant and messenger who was guided by Allah and sent with the true religion so that he may make it prevail over every other religion even though the other idolaters may dislike it. Surely my prayer and my sacrifice, my life and my death are all for the sake of Allah who is the Lord of all the worlds, who has no partner. And this is what I have been commanded and I am of the obedient. After this, O Hassan, he addressed his son and said, O Hassan, I advise you and the rest of my progeny and my entire family to always remain fearful of Allah the Almighty, your master. And also you should leave this world in the state of belief in Islam and you should hold fast to the rope of Allah the Almighty altogether and do not be divided amongst yourselves. For I have heard Abu Qasim, i.e. the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, say that to reform your mutual relationships is better than voluntary prayers and fasts. This is an important matter which should be remembered. The fact that reconciling your mutual relationships is a matter greater than offering voluntary prayers and fasts. To live harmoniously with one another and to settle your differences with one another and between others is a matter of great virtue. He further stated that take care of your relatives and treat them well. Thus will Allah judge you with leniency and fear Allah in matters pertaining to orphans and do not treat them in a manner that they are compelled to ask for help from you themselves and nor should you let them perish before you. Fear Allah in matters pertaining to neighbours 
for this was the will of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He always advised to remain mindful of the rights owed to neighbours, to the extent that we used to think that he may include the neighbours as heirs in one's will. Fear Allah with regards to the Holy Qur'an, lest others precede you in this matter. And fear Allah in relation to the observance of prayer, for it is the pillar of your faith. And fear Allah with regards to the house of your Lord, and do not allow it to become void as long as you live. For if you do so, you shall never find a house the like thereof. And fear Allah in the matter of jihad in the way of Allah, and strive with your lives and your wealth. And fear Allah in the matter of zakat, for it extinguishes the wrath of God. And fear Allah in relation to the responsibility entrusted upon you by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. No one should be treated unjustly amongst you. And fear Allah in the matter of the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, for he has instructed us in their favour. And fear Allah in the matter of the poor and needy, and share with them your means of livelihood. And fear Allah in the matter of those whom your right hand possesses. In other words, fear Allah in the matters of those for whom you have been made responsible for. And safeguard your prayers, safeguard your prayers. Do not fear the reproach of anyone when seeking the pleasure of Allah the Almighty. In other words, you should always give precedence to attaining the pleasure of Allah the Almighty. This is something that is very important. It further stated that God alone will suffice you against anyone who wishes to do you harm or rebel against you. And speak good to the people as you have been commanded by Allah the Almighty. And do not forsake the enjoining of good and forbidding of evil. Otherwise the evil ones amongst you will become your rulers. This is a very important matter to always adhere to enjoining good and forbidding evil. In other words, encouraging to do good and prohibiting from evil, otherwise the evil people among you will be in authority over you. For if that happens, then you will pray and your prayers will not be accepted, as is the condition of the Muslim countries nowadays. Maintain the bonds and ties amongst one another and be of service to one another without any formalities. Beware, do not inflame your enmities between one another and do not sever your ties and do not cause divisions. Help one another in piety and righteousness but help not one another in sin and transgression. Fear Allah, surely Allah is severe in punishment. O honourable members of the ahl i.e. members of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's household. May Allah protect you and safeguard the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, through you. In other words, through their pious examples, the legacy of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, continues to live on. I entrust you to Allah and invoke peace and mercy of Allah upon you. According to the narration of Abu Sinan, he went to visit Hazrat Ali anhu after he was wounded. He states, I said, O Amirul Mu'mineen, a leader of the faithful, we are very concerned to see you in this wounded state. Hazrat Ali anhu replied, that by God, I am not concerned at all, 
because the truthful messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam informed me that I will sustain wounds in this particular place and he then indicated to his temples. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu then stated and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him also stated that blood will flow from here until your beard will be filled with its colour and the one who does this to you will be the worst and most wretched of people of this ummah just as the one who hamstrung the she camel was the most wretched of Samud's people. In one narration, Hazrat Ali stated with regards to the individual who fatally attacked him, i.e. Ibn Muljam, that sit him down and if I pass away, then kill him, but do not mutilate his body. But if I remain alive, I myself shall decide whether to forgive him or punish him. In relation to this, Hazrat Muslim Allah states that it is mentioned in the books of history that a person wielding a dagger attacked Hazrat Ali and he pierced his stomach which was cut open. The assailant was then apprehended. Hazrat Muslim Aud has written that his stomach was cut open, but perhaps there was a head wound in addition to the stomach wound. Or this may have been Hazrat Muslim Aud's opinion on the matter. Or perhaps he said this as an expression. But in any case, the majority of the narration state that he received a wound to the head. Hazrat Muslim Aud further states, the assailant was apprehended and the companions asked how they should deal with him. Hazrat Ali called Hazrat Imam Hassan and ordered, that if I die, then kill him as retribution for my death. But if I survive, then do not kill him. Amr Zimur narrates that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu suffered wounds caused by a sword. When I went to see him, he had his head tied up. And I asked him, O leader of the faithful, show me your wound. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu removed the cloth from the wound to which I said, that it is only a minor injury and nothing more. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated that I am soon to depart from you all. Upon hearing this, Ummi Kulsum, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's daughter, who was behind a screen, began to cry. Hazrat Ali told her to stop and said that if you saw what I am witnessing before me, you would not cry. I submitted, O leader of the faithful, what are you seeing before you? Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied that I see before me delegations of angels and prophets and also the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, who is saying, In other words, this was in the form of a vision in which he saw angels and prophets. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was saying, O Ali, rejoice, for the place where you are going to is better than the place where you currently are. In another narration, it is stated that when Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu finished reciting his will, he said, that I say to you, may the peace and blessings of Allah and His mercy be upon you. And after this, he said nothing except the declaration of faith, i.e. Kalima, and thereafter he passed away. When Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib ta'ala passed away, Hazrat Hassan bin Ali ta'ala stood up on the pulpit and said, that, O people, tonight the person who has passed away is one that has no parallel among the people that were before him, and nor will those coming after him ever attain his rank. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would send him on an expedition, Angel Jibreel would be on his right and Angel Mikail on his left, and he would never return until Allah the Almighty granted victory at his hands. He has only left behind 700 dirhams, with which he intended to purchase a servant, and his soul was raised up on the same night that the soul of Jesus salam was raised up i.e. the 27th night of the blessed month of Ramadan. In another narration it states that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu passed away on the 17th night of Ramadan in 40 Hijri.
His martyrdom took place in 40 Hijri and Hazrat Ali radiallahu's Khilafat lasted for four years and eight and a half months. Hazrat Muslim radiallahu has mentioned this incident as follows. In the third volume of At-Tabqat by Ibn Sa'd, there is a narration by Hazrat Imam Hassan radiallahu regarding the events surrounding the martyrdom of Hazrat Ali. May Allah be pleased with him. He stated, O people, tonight the person who has passed away was such that the level of some of his deeds were unattainable by the people of the past, and nor can those that come in the future attain them. When the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would send him on an expedition, Angel Jibrail would be on his right and Angel Mikail on his left, and he would never return from any expedition without having gained victory first. In other words, he would never return from any expedition without having gained victory. And he has only left behind 700 dirhams with which he intended to purchase a servant. And his soul was raised up on the same night the soul of Jesus, son of Mary, was raised up towards the heavens. In other words, the 27th night of Ramadan. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's body was washed by his two sons and also Hazrat Abdullah bin Jafar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Ali's son, Hazrat Hassan radiallahu ta'ala anhu led the funeral prayer and recited four takbirat, i.e. proclaiming Allah is the greatest. Hazrat Ali was wrapped in three sheets, which did not include his shirt. He was buried before dawn, and it is said that Hazrat Ali had some sacred musk, which was left over from the musk that was applied to the blessed body of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Ali had stated as part of his will that for that must to be used on his body. There is a difference of opinion with regards to Hazrat Ali's age at the time of his demise. Some narrations state that he was 57 years old at the time of his demise, whilst others state that he was 58, and according to some he was 65, whilst others say he was 73. But the majority of the sources record the narration of 73 to be the most correct. The question about the location of Hazrat Ali's grave is often asked. Differing narrations are found in the books of history which are as follows. It is said that Hazrat Ali was buried in Kufa and the location was kept secret. It is also said that Hazrat Ali was buried in the central mosque in Kufa and that Hazrat Imam Hassan and Imam Hussein took the body of Hazrat Ali to Medina and buried him in Jannatul Baqi next to Hazrat Fatima. According to another narration, when Hazrat Imam Hassan and Hussein placed Hazrat Ali's body in a casket and loaded it onto a camel, the camel went missing. The camel was then captured by the Ta'ir tribe and they thought that it contained some provisions. However, when they opened it, they found a body but were unable to identify it. They then buried the casket with the body inside and nobody knows where Hazrat Ali anhu's grave is now. Then, in another narration, it is stated that Hazrat Hassan buried Hazrat Ali in Kufa in the quarters belonging to one of the family members of Jada bin Khubera and it is said that Jada was Hazrat Ali's maternal grandson. Imam Jafar Sadiq narrates that Hazrat Ali anhu's funeral prayer was offered in the night and he was buried in Kufa. The locations of his grave was undisclosed, but it was near to the Qasr Imarat. In another narration, it is mentioned that after the demise of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Hazrat Imam Hassan radiallahu anhu led Hazrat Ali's funeral prayer and he was buried outside of Kufa. His grave was undisclosed, lest the Khwarij etc. dishonor it. And some Shias say that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's grave is located in Najaf at a place which is known today 
as Mashhad al-Najaf. According to one narration, Hazrat Ali was martyred in Kufa, but the whereabouts of his grave are unknown. After the demise of Hazrat Ali, Hazrat Imam Hassan led the funeral prayer and was buried in the Darul Imarat of Kufa, fearing that the Khwarij would dishonor his body. Alama ibn Asir writes that there is a famous narration and whoever said that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala on his body was loaded on an animal and the animal went missing and that nobody knows where it went, this narration is incorrect. The one who stated such a thing was careless and has no knowledge of the true events and nor can rationale or the sharia agree with this narration. And the majority of the ignorant Rafavis hold the belief that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala on his grave is located in Mashhad al-Najaf. However, there is no proof or evidence to support this. In fact, on the contrary, it is believed that this is the grave of Mughira bin Shoba. Imam ibn Taymiyyah writes, The scholars are in agreement that the grave at Mashhad in Najaf is not of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. In fact, that is the grave of Hazrat Mughira bin Shoba. And despite being in government in Kufa and more than 300 years passing, the Ahlibayt, i.e. the family of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, the Shias and other Muslims never claimed that this was the grave of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. 300 years after the martyrdom of Hazrat Ali, the site became known as Mashhad Ali. Therefore, the narrations which state that this is the grave of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu are completely incorrect. And after stating the different narrations that have been mentioned above regarding the grave of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Alama ibn Jozi writes in his book of history that Allah knows best which narration is most correct and authentic. With regards to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's marriages and progeny, it is mentioned that he married a total of eight times during different periods. The names of his wives are as follows. Fatima, the daughter of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Khola bint Jafar bin Khais, Layla bint Mas'ud bin Khalid, Ummul Banin bint Hazam bin Khalid, Asma bint Umas, Sahaba Umm Habib bint Rabia, Umama bint Abul As bin Rabi. She was the granddaughter of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, from his daughter, Hazrat Zanab, and also Umm Sa'id bint Urwa bin Mas'ud Thaqfi. Allah the Almighty granted Hazrat Ali many children who number more than 30, 14 boys and 19 girls. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's progeny continued through Hazrat Hassan, Hazrat Hussain and Muhammad bin Hanafiya, Abbas bin Kilabiya and Amr bin Taglabiya. With regards to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's virtues, morals and qualities, it is written in a narration by Ibn Abbas that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated that I am a city of knowledge and Ali is the gate to the city and anyone who intends to come to the city should arrive at its door. With regards to this, Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu once stated that the bravest and most courageous among the companions was Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He further stated that during the Battle of Badr, when a separate canopy was erected for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, 
At the time, the question arose as to who should be assigned to protect the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr who stood with an unsheathed sword and with utmost bravery, he organized for safeguarding the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Similarly, it is mentioned in the Ahadith that on one occasion the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that I am the city of knowledge and Ali is the gate to the city. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, declared Hazrat Ali to be one of the scholars. But during the Battle of Khabar, at the most delicate of times, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave the Islamic flag to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. From this it is proven that during the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, the scholars did not show cowardice. In fact, they were the bravest of all. Hazrat Muslim was mentioning in regards to the bravery of the scholars and mentioned this incident in relation to that. Hazrat Ali states that there was a time when I would have to tie a rock to my stomach due to excessive hunger. But today my sadhgah zakat amounts to 4,000 dinars and in one narration it was mentioned as 40,000 dinars. Abu Bahar narrates an incident from his teacher. He said that I saw Hazrat Ali wearing a thick lower garment. Hazrat Ali said that he had bought it for five dirhams and that he would sell it to anyone who would give him one dirham profit on it. The narrator further states that I saw a small pouch with money in the hands of Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Ali stated that this is the revenue from my property in Yambo. Yambo is situated at a distance of seven manzils, a unit of distance equal to a day's travel from Medina towards the coast. The words, Allahul Maliku, i.e. Allah is the true sovereign, was engraved on the ring of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Jumair bin Umair states that I went to Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha with my aunt, who asked her that who was the most beloved to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to which she replied, Fatima. She then asked, and who was it from among the men? And Hazrat Aisha replied that her husband, Hazrat Ali. Hazrat Salba bin Nabi Malik relates that Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah would be the flag bearer for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, at the occasion of every battle. However, when the actual battle would commence, Hazrat Ali would take hold of the flag. A member of the Thaqif tribe narrated that Hazrat Ali appointed him as the governor of Sabur. Sabur is an area in Iran and situated approximately 100 miles from the city of Shiraz. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu instructed him that he should not punish anyone even over one dirham of tax and nor go after their wealth or their clothes whether it be the season of summer or winter. In other words, the tax should not be sought in a manner that they become deprived of even their clothing. And he also admonished that he should not take any animal from them in tax which they used for their work and that no one should be made to endure trouble if they paid less tax by even a dirham. In other words, he was not to cause the people to endure any kind of hardship or trouble in the collection of the tax or the jizya. Upon this, he submitted, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, I, leader of the faithful, in that case I shall return to you in the same state as I am leaving, for I will not be able to collect anything. As Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, that indeed, even if it means that you return empty-handed, because I have been commanded that we are only to take the tax or the jizya from the surplus wealth of people. 
Hazrat ibn Abbas relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated to Hazrat Ali that you are my brother and companion. Ali bin Rabia narrates that he was in the company of Hazrat Ali when an animal was brought before him so that he could mount upon it. When he was about to place his foot in the stirrup, he recited Bismillah three times, i.e. in the name of Allah. And when he sat upon it, he recited Alhamdulillah, i.e. all praise belongs to Allah. And then recited Subhanallazi sakhara la nahaza wa ma kunna lahu mukrainina wa inna ila rabbina lamun kalibun. Meaning, holy is he who has placed this under our control whilst we did not have the strength to do so. And indeed we shall return to our Lord. He then recited, All praise belongs to Allah, and Allah is the greatest three times. And he then recited the following prayer, Subhanaka inni qad zalamtu nafsi, faghfirli fa innahu la yaghfiru zunuba illa anta. Meaning, Holy is thou, surely I have wronged my soul, thus forgive me for there is none to forgive besides thee. Thereafter, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu smiled. The narrator of the tradition states that he submitted, O leader of the faithful, what made you smile? Upon this, Hazrat Ali stated that I saw the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, do exactly like I just did, and I also inquired of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, as to why he smiled. And he replied that indeed your Lord is most pleased by his servant when he says, O my Lord, forgive me my sins, for there is none to forgive besides you. This is what caused the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to smile. Yahya bin Yamir relates that on one occasion Hazrat Ali bin Abi Talib anhu delivered an address and after offering praise to Allah the Almighty he stated that O people, before you people were destroyed owing to their sins. Their pious people and their religious scholars would not warn them against committing sins. Subsequently when they exceeded all bounds in their sins they were seized by all kinds of punishment. Therefore you ought to exhort others to do good and stop them from committing evil lest you also face punishment like them. Remember that exhorting others to do good and stopping them from evil will neither diminish your livelihoods and nor bring you closer to death. As a Jabir narrates that one day we visited the house of an Ansari lady with the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. She had prepared food and had invited the Holy Prophet peace be upon him to eat. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated that a person is about to arrive who is destined to enter paradise. Soon after, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu entered and everyone congratulated him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then again stated that soon a person will come who is destined to enter paradise. Soon after, Hazrat Umar anhu entered and again everyone congratulated him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, for a third time stated that the person who is about to arrive will also be destined to enter paradise. The narrator states that he saw that at the time the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had hidden his head behind a small date palm plant and was saying that, O oh Allah, if you will, then allow Ali to be the next person to enter. And soon after, Hazrat Ali entered and everyone congratulated him. Hazrat Anas relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that paradise is awaiting three individuals. They are Ali, Ammar and Salman. Abu Usman Nahdi relates that Hazrat Ali stated and on one occasion the Messenger of Allah was holding my hand and we passed through one of the streets of Medina and approached an orchard. I submitted, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu how beautiful is this orchard. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated 
that there is an even more beautiful orchard prepared for you in paradise. Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir relates that he heard the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, say to Hazrat Ali that, O Ali, Allah the Almighty has endowed you with a quality which no other person has been granted the like of, and that is aversion from worldly material. Allah the Almighty has made you in a way that you do not partake anything of this world and the world does not take anything from you. In other words, he did not have any desire for material things. And similarly, those who are desirous of worldly material did not wish to keep any relationship with him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, further stated, that moreover, Allah Almighty has granted you love for the needy and they are well pleased by appointing you as their leader and you are pleased to be their leader. Thus, glad tidings for one who shows love to you and speaks the truth about you and those who bear enmity against you and utter lies about you shall perish. And those who show love to you and speak the truth about you will be your neighbours in paradise and the companions of your palace. And those who bear enmity against you and fabricate lies against you, then Allah the Almighty has taken it upon himself that on the day of judgment he shall raise them amongst the most hardened liars. Hazrat Muslim states that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima will be in the same station in paradise as me. There are also various narrations in regards to Hazrat Ali being amongst those ten fortunate companions who in this very world were given the glad tidings of paradise in the blessed words of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Sayyid bin Zaid relates, that I can testify regarding nine people that they shall enter paradise and if I were to say the same about the tenth individual I will not be committing a sin. Upon being asked how he knew he stated that we were standing on Mount Hira with the Holy Prophet peace be upon him when it began shaking. Upon this the Holy Prophet peace be upon him stated Remain still O Hira for there is none upon this mount except for a prophet Siddiq a truthful or a shaheed Someone then asked that who are those ten individuals who are given the glad tidings of entering paradise? As a Sayyid bin Zaid replied, that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Abu Bakr, Umar, Usman, Ali, Talha, Zubair, Saad and Abdul Rahman bin Auf. And when asked who the tenth individual was, as a Sayyid bin Zaid replied, it is me. The next account which I shall narrate has been mentioned by the promised Messiah and has been quoted previously as well. However, it is regarding Hazrat Ali radiallahu self-control and being free of any egotism. Therefore, I shall mention it once again. The promised Messiah states, Hazrat Ali radiallahu was once fighting against an enemy and he was doing so purely for the sake of Allah. At one point, Hazrat Ali felled the opponent and was kneeling over his chest when he suddenly spat in Hazrat Ali's face. Hazrat Ali immediately stood off his chest and let him go. And he said, that The reason for this was that till now I was fighting against you for the sake of God, but now that you have spat in my face, therefore there is a personal incentive now. Therefore, I do not wish to kill you for any personal reason. And so it is evidently clear that Hazrat Ali did not consider anyone with whom he had personal enmity as his enemy. This is the nature and habit that one should instill within themselves. The Promised Messiah is advising the Jamaat 
that what can displease God Almighty more than this, that one causes pain to others and increases in enmity for their personal reasons. On another occasion, the promised Messiah explained this in further detail. He writes, Learn from Hazrat Ali in relation to how one ought to distinguish between one's personal desire and their passion for the sake of Allah the Almighty. Once, Hazrat Ali fought against a disbeliever who was very strong. Each time he would try to get a hold of him, he would escape. Eventually, Hazrat Ali overcame him and firmly took hold of him and knelt upon his chest and was just about to kill him with his dagger, but he spat in his face. When he did this, Hazrat Ali immediately came off his chest and left him alone. The disbeliever, expressing his astonishment, asked Hazrat Ali as to why he let him go, despite the fact that he got hold of him after so much struggle and also given the fact that he was an enemy of his and wanted to take his blood and kill him. Hazrat Ali replied, The fact is that there is now personal enmity between me and you. Since you torment the Muslims owing to your opposition of their faith, that is why you are deserving of death and I was only trying to overcome you for the sake of my faith. However, when you spat at me, I became angry and I realized that there was now personal reason at stake and therefore it would not be permissible for me to do anything against you. For there is nothing I do for the sake of any personal reason, rather everything is for the sake of Allah the Almighty. When I return to my normal state and my anger subsides, I will continue to come against you as I was doing before. Upon hearing this, it had such a profound impact on the disbeliever that his heart became free from any kind of disbelief and he thought to himself that which other faith could there be in this world which is better than this faith by which one becomes completely pure and so he immediately repented and became a Muslim. Thus, this is true taqwa, i.e. righteousness, which then bears its fruits. Hazrat Muslim Aud has also narrated this account in a similar manner he writes, Hazrat Ali once took part in a battle and came up against a very fierce opponent who very few people could challenge. Hazrat Ali fought against this strong Jewish soldier for many hours. Eventually, after many hours of fighting, Hazrat Ali managed to take the opponent down and knelt on his chest and decided to cut his neck with his dagger when suddenly he spat at Hazrat Ali. Hazrat Ali immediately let him go and stood to one side. The Jewish soldier was astonished and said, That is strange, we have been fighting one another for many hours and finally you took me down and now you suddenly let me go. What a foolish act you have committed. Hazrat Ali replied that I have not acted in a foolish manner. But in fact, when I took you down and you spat on my face, my heart became filled with anger as to why you spat at me. But with this, I also thought that up till now, whatever I was doing was for the sake of God. But now if I continue to fight against you, then I shall be killing you due to my personal anger. Hazrat Ali then further stated that this could be owing to my personal anger rather than for the sake of attaining the pleasure of God. Therefore, I deemed it appropriate that I would let you go and when my anger subsides, I will continue to fight against you. I will continue to narrate the accounts in the future sermon, inshallah. 
But at this moment in time, I would also like to say that today is the first day of the new year and the first Jummah, a Friday of the new year. Pray that may this year be a blessed one for the Jamaat, the entire world and the whole of mankind. Whilst fulfilling our responsibilities, may we continue to turn towards Allah the Almighty and elevate the standards of our worship more than before. And may the rest of the world also recognize the purpose of their creation and fulfill the rights of God. And instead of usurping the rights of one another, they in fact fulfill the rights of one another whilst adhering to the commandments of Allah the Almighty. Otherwise, Allah the Almighty has his own unique way by which he draws the attention of the people of the world towards fulfilling their rights. If only we and the rest of the world understand this fundamental principle and in turn reform our lives in this world and the hereafter. For the past year, we have been enduring a very dangerous pandemic and there is not a single country which is safe from this. In some places it is more widespread, whilst less severe in others. But nonetheless, it seems that the vast majority of the world does not wish to pay heed to the fact that perhaps this pandemic is from Allah the Almighty in order to draw their attention towards fulfilling their duties and responsibilities. They simply do not want to consider the fact that perhaps Allah the Almighty is drawing their attention through this and no one is pondering over this in this regard. A few months ago, in order to draw the attention of various world leaders towards this, I wrote letters to them in relation to the COVID pandemic. And I drew their attention in the words of the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam. And I mentioned that these calamities come from Allah the Almighty as a result of becoming unmindful of fulfilling their rights towards Allah the Almighty and also for the growing injustices. Therefore, they ought to pay heed towards this. Some of these world leaders also replied, but their responses were in light of only worldly aspects. And although they agreed to what was said, but they failed to acknowledge the aspect of God and faith, which was a significant part of those letters. However, not only do they not wish to take any practical measures to reform their moral conditions, and nor do they want to show any compassion to the world and make them aware of their true objective. Despite the fact that everyone knows that the after-effects of this pandemic will be extremely grave, this is something which is known by every world leader, every intelligent person and every analyst. But despite this, they fail to pay heed towards the real solution and they remain focused on their worldly attempts. Not only are people being impacted by this pandemic at an individual level, 
but everyone is also growing weaker with respect to the economy. Of course, there are the health implications of this pandemic. However, everyone is also being impacted financially as well. In fact, even the economies of powerful nations are also being heavily impacted. And the worldly people only have one solution to this, which is that when their economies collapse, they will overtake the economies of smaller nations by trapping them in one way or another and by making excuses to take hold of their wealth. There will be blocks created for this purpose. In fact, they have already started forming and a cold war will break out once again, which according to some has already begun in some respects. And it is also entirely possible that an actual armed war begins which will prove to be catastrophic and as a result of which these people will fall into an even darker abyss. Poor nations are already being crushed, but in the event of a war, the people belonging to the wealthy nations will also be crushed in a horrific manner. Therefore, before the world reaches such a state, we must fulfill our duty and warn the world of this. It is only when we fulfill our duty in this regard, i.e. to make the world aware of this, that we can then truly congratulate one another for the new year. And of course, in order to do this, we will also have to assess our own conditions. We, who have accepted the Imam Mahdi and promised Messiah of this age, we must ask ourselves that are we at that level, we are alongside fulfilling the rights owed to God Almighty, we are also fulfilling the rights owed to His creations and doing so solely for His sake. Or do we still need to work towards reforming ourselves and increasing our mutual love and affection to a high standard? Therefore, every Ahmadi should reflect upon the fact that they have been tasked with a great responsibility. And in order to complete this task, we must first create an atmosphere of love and brotherhood in our own Ahmadi society and then bring the entire world under this banner which was raised aloft by the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him which is the banner of the unity of God. It is only then that we will be successful in fulfilling the purpose of our birth by a pledge of allegiance and it is only then that we can truly do justice to our birth. And it is only then that we will become the recipients of the bounties of Allah the Almighty. And it is only then that we will have the right to give and receive the greetings for the new year. May Allah the Almighty enable us to do this. And by understanding their responsibilities, May every Ahmadi man, woman, youth, child or elderly pledge that they will use all of their faculties and abilities to bring about 
a revolutionary transformation in the world this year. May Allah the Almighty enable every Ahmadi to fulfill this pledge. Recently, I have been reminding everyone to pray for the Ahmadis in Pakistan and Algeria. So remember them in your prayers. In certain parts of Pakistan, some clerics and government officials are intent on carrying out injustices. May Allah the Almighty swiftly seize such people who will not reform themselves. Allah the Almighty knows which of them will reform themselves and which will not. As for those who will not reform themselves, may Allah the Almighty ensure the means of seizing them swiftly. They are carrying out atrocities under the blasphemy laws and they are even seeking to cause hindrances in all the different ways with which we perform tarbiyat, i.e. impart moral training of our own members. And so, may Allah the Almighty swiftly grant us respite from them and save us from them. In actuality, it is these people who tarnish the pristine name of the mercy for mankind, i.e. the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In fact, Ahmadis are willing to sacrifice their lives to uphold the honour of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Today, those who are making the greatest effort and the true efforts in bringing the world under the banner of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, are Ahmadis. Indeed, it can be said that if anyone is carrying out this task, it is none other than the Ahmadis. Therefore, these worldly people may commit injustices against us with their mere worldly authority and wealth. But bear in mind that we believe in that God who is an excellent protector and an excellent helper. Allah the Almighty is an excellent protector and an excellent helper and indeed his support most certainly arrives. And in that moment when the help and support of Allah the Almighty arrives then not a single sign remains of such worldly people and those who deem themselves to be powerful and influential. Therefore, it is our duty to continue to increase in our worship through our prayers, and it is only through this that we can truly succeed. I previously mentioned that the Ahmadis in Algeria were all acquitted, one court pronounced them all innocent and another court acquitted them all with minor fines. But despite this, there still remain a few who are still imprisoned. So pray that may they be released very soon. And also pray for the release of the imprisoned Ahmadis in Pakistan as well. Our joy and our happiness, be they at the beginning of a new year or during Eid, will only truly manifest when we raise the banner of the unity of God, i.e. Tawheed, 
in every corner of the world which was brought by the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Our true joy will be when mankind recognizes the human values and when they turn all enmities into love. May Allah the Almighty swiftly grant us the means of this true joy. May Allah the Almighty grant sense and understanding to the Muslim Ummah so that they may accept the awaited promised Messiah and Imam Mahdi. And may Allah the Almighty grant the world wisdom so that they may pay heed to the rights of God and the rights of mankind. May Allah the Almighty keep every Ahmadi in every country of the world under his protection. And may he make this year a means of mercy and blessings for all Ahmadis and for all people. And may Allah the Almighty protect us from our flaws and shortcomings in the previous years which incurred the wrath of God Almighty which deprived us of certain bounties. And may Allah the Almighty enable us to become the recipients of his blessings and bounties and make us true believers. May Allah the Almighty enable us to partake of these prayers. Alhamdulillah <laughs>